You know, today we're going to continue the sermon series focus on overflowing hope. And I hope we can find some hope in this message this morning. Because I want to talk about how from our own trespasses, as we Methodists say, our sin, our separation from God, how God brings about our righteousness. How does that happen? You know, we're going to read a text this morning that's really one of my favorites from 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and it's about how God can make us new. How only God can make us new. How God can make the past be the past and the future be our hope. We're going to talk about what I would really call Christian Theology 101 in Romans 5. Because what we're talking about is really how... Jesus, Paul says, you know, we used, to, we used to recognize Jesus and others from a human point of view. And we know that Jesus taught us the perfect love of, of God and the perfect way to love one another. We, we know that. But that Jesus was more than just a human example. Jesus was divine. Jesus was the activity of God. That Jesus became our Savior and has done for us what we could not, cannot, ever do for ourselves. And when we recognize that, we're at the heart and soul of what it means to really be a Christian. And sometimes we say about Christ that Christ washes away our sin, that Christ blots out our sin. Or this morning, I want us to focus on this image, that God erases our sin. And I want to focus on who each and every one of us really is. We are people who need a holy eraser. Amen? I need one. And I'm glad to see I'm in good company this morning. You need one too. Let's turn in our scripture to the Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, beginning with the 16th verse. I think it may come, up, come on the screen. And let's stand for the reading of the word. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. And all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, one with another. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, that's Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I, I love this particular verse. I'm going to single it out. In, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Wow. And entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. You know, when you've been preaching for the better part of three and a half decades, like somebody I know, you know, you have these files, you know, once we had files and we'd put sermons in files and we'd see this kind of clip stuff and we'd clip it and put it in and headlines and, you know, it becomes dated through the years. And I looked back through an old file this week and saw some cartoon strips and one of them's one of my favorite, Dennis the Menace. How many of you even know about Dennis the Menace? Some of us grew up not only reading the cartoons but watching uh, the Dennis the Menace show, right? And that cute little blonde kid, you know, with the cowlick that looked just like the cartoon guy, except he was cuter than the cartoon guy. And, you know, I just loved Dennis the Menace. Grew up with Dennis the Menace. And, you know, and then you realize that you don't have to have files anymore. You can Google. And so I Googled. I Googled uh, Dennis the Menace and Hank Ketchum, you know, who wrote Dennis the Menace. And, oh, my gosh, there were so many cartoons. It just brought back some wonderful memories. But the one I want to share with you today is the one that I'm going to call the handwriting is on the wall, literally. Dennis the Menace is sitting in his usual rocking chair with his teddy bear in the corner. You, you remember how you used to sit in the corner? Some of you never sat in the corner. You don't know what it's like if you hadn't sat in the corner. And there's Dennis the Menace sitting in his rocking chair with his teddy bear in the corner. And, and you can see these half-spent Crayolas behind him on the, on the floor of the living room. And you can see on the once pristine walls, Dennis's artwork, his Crayola artwork, where he has drawn a dinosaur and a horse. And he has drawn uh, other things. He's drawn a picture of the, the sun and the clouds. And, and he's drawn a cowboy. And he's drawn a house. And, you know, his artwork is all right there that was quite satisfactory to Dennis. But it certainly wasn't to his mom. So he's in timeout or whatever we called it back then. And there he is, and, and Hank Ketchum, the artist, he has this little bubble come over Dennis's head as he's sitting there contemplating in the corner. And the bubble said, Boy, I wish life came with an eraser. <laughs> you know, I got to thinking about that. How many of us need life to come with an eraser? You know, how many of us wish that we had this eraser that we could just... Do away with things that we've done in the past, you know, just erase them, and they'd be no more. Uh, how, how we wish that, that we, could, we could make something right that, that, that's already done, and, and there's really no way to make it right on my own. Indeed, I think we all need an eraser from time to time. You know, when we would relish the opportunity to turn back the clock, have you ever been there? If I could just have done this a little differently or if I'd have been able not to have done this, and, and that things would be different in my life. And, and we'd be amazed at, at how sometimes we dwell on things or we know people who've dwelled on things that they cannot erase and, and they have them captive to that which has been done that cannot be erased. And then we hear this 
the scripture come to us. Theology 101, Christian theology. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything can become new. You know, every Lenten season, I don't remember a Lenten season that I didn't either read or hear read the 51st Psalm. Are you familiar with it? It, It's the Psalm of David that is said to be David's repentance psalm that comes after his affair with Bathsheba. We know that story. And how he moved Bathsheba's husband to the front line so that he would be killed, that would cover up his sin, you know. And Bathsheba has a baby, and the baby doesn't survive. And, you know, all of this stuff is weighing on David. He can't erase it. He can't make it right. He's ruined his life. He's ruined Bathsheba's life. He's actually had Uriah killed. And and here he is just grieving in the midst of his own shame and guilt. And in the 51st chapter of Psalm we read this. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, wash wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Do you see how David gets it? He can't fix himself. And he knows where he has to go in order to to be released from this pain of his own mistake. And he continues to God, create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. You know, during this Lenten season of the year, we stand with David. We're to be contemplative. We're to be thinking about these things, our own shortcomings. And and we're to recognize theology 101 that takes us to the cross. And we recognize uh, that that we can't fix ourselves. Create in me, O God, O God, a clean heart and, and put a new and right spirit within me. I can't do that on my own. You know, I was in the airport a few um, weeks ago, and I went into one of those little magazine shops, you know, where you get some goodies and magazine or something to read on the plane, and, and I saw this display. I mean, you've seen them too. They're in every airport, and, and it, was a, it, was a, it was self-help books, you know. And I guess when people are in the airport and they have time on their hands, they start thinking about how they can fix themselves. That's the only thing I can get out of that. So these self-help books, you know, you've seen them. They're all kinds of self-help books. You, know, you just read them, and then all of a sudden, you know, you can fix it. And, and it reminded me of those dummy books, you know, the dummy books. Now, they've been around for really for several decades. They, they, they came about, I think they started in maybe the 80s or the early 90s, but there was a dummies collection and then an idiots collection, you, you know? And the, 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 there's over 400 titles, but it was like dummy, learning Spanish, uh, philosophy, homeschooling, cosmetic surgery, 
over 400 titles that you could confess being a dummy and read about it, and I guess you could fix it. Now, here's what I suspect. I suspect that the dummy books began to rise along the time the Internet began to rise. And then all of a sudden we have all of this um, information and this knowledge from the World Wide Web. And we got more information than, than we could ever completely understand. And the more information we got, uh, the, the, the more we knew we didn't know. And, and we began to feel like dummies. I mean, and it seemed like the technology world's just passing us by. And we just couldn't catch up, ever catch up. And so we felt like dummies. And, and, and we may still feel like dummies. But, but we wanted to be able to buy a book that we could read. And at the end of the book, voila, no longer a dummy. You know, Americans who once were so fatuated, infatuated with, you know, self-affirmation um, um, and self-confidence, all of a sudden started focusing on our need for self-improvement. Will Williman was a bishop of the church, and before that he was the, the dean of the chapel at Duke Divinity School. And uh, Will was a fantastic, is a fantastic preacher, and he's written dozens of books, and he's such a clever presenter. And I remember one time he was talking about picking up a Dr. Norman Vincent Peale book. It had an attractive title. I don't even remember what it was, but I remember he said the very first line in the book said this, Congratulations. You bought the book. You want to change and be a better person. So Will Williman, you need to know he's somewhat sarcastic. Not a very positive personality. Probably already convinced that he needed whatever Dr. Peel had. So he read the first chapter and it said, Get up every morning and get in your rocking chair. Get up early in the morning and get in your rocking chair and rock there for about 15 minutes thinking good thoughts about the day ahead. Will admitted that he was off to a bad start in the book because he didn't like to get up early and he didn't have a rocking chair. And then the next chapter said, if you really want to change and be a better person, make a list of all the good things you are going to do that day and put the list in your shirt pocket. Next chapter. Set aside some time each day to write one letter to someone who has touched your life in a positive way. Next chapter. Volunteer two hours per week. And always be reading, always be reading a positive book. Next chapter. Have at least three conversations a day with positive people. And so on and so on. It went chapter after chapter. And Will Willimon's conclusion was, By the end of the book, I was so depressed about all that I had to do in order to be a better person that I decided to just stay the way I was. <laughs> now, I don't mean to slight Dr. Peel. But I do need to say that that is not Christian Theology 101. It's not about how we make ourselves a better person. 
It's about admitting our shortcomings, our trespasses, our need for God to create in us a clean heart and to renew a right spirit within us. You know, the truth is that, that we are creatures of habit, and some of those habits are really, really hard to change. You know, I read this this past week. I want to pass it on to you. It, it said, watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. They become actions. Watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits. They become character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. You know, it's easy for us to think of our thoughts as kind of small and trivial things, but we know that our thoughts lead to habits and eventually to character. And, and sometimes there are things that get so set that we don't really, we really can't change them. The, the only people I have seen who have been able to effectively change and redirect are not people who read a book about how to do it, are not people who just had the strongest willpower to make the change. It, it has been people who have recognized their need for God, and that God was the only one who could really fix it, the only one who could truly erase that past that had them in such, in such bondage. And I have seen people change, but it was not on their own. It was by depending on God for that change to be realized. See, it doesn't matter who we are or how much we might appear to have it all together. There are things in all of our lives that we would like to erase. You know, counselors and observers and pastor types and psychologist types um, have often said that whatever you don't own, owns you. Do you hear it? Whatever you don't own, owns you. See, we are prone to, not to our own sins, but to our own trying to recognize that we really are not that. No one knows this better than the recovery community. No, no one knows the, the lie any better than saying, I am not an alcoholic, and if I say it loud enough and long enough, then, then, then I will erase that, or I will not be that. I am not an alcoholic. It doesn't work that way. I, I, I'm not addicted to pornography. I'm not addicted to gambling. I do not have an explosive temper. And if I continue to say that and work toward not being that, then I, I'll be who I really want to be. Those who are in, this, in recovery know that you have to name it. You have to own it. You have to say, I am this. Therefore, I can't fix this without a higher power. And I can't fix this unless I'm with others who are going to hold me accountable and going to help me and are going to be God's instruments in my life to take me to a different place. I can't do it on my own. And people who are in recovery, they live there. They know that. They recognize that. And who in here doesn't need to be in recovery? Really? You know, I think the whole world's addicted to something. 
We, we all have our hang-ups and our habits and all of that. And, and we, we need to just go ahead and own it. Own it in such a way that gets back to Christianity 101 and says we can't erase it. We have to own it or it's going to own us. And we don't want it to own us. We want God to own us. We want God to take us to that place of newness that God promises that he'll take us. You know what I wanted to do this morning? I wanted to just say, uh, come down here on the floor and say, okay, what have you done in your life that you need an eraser for today? Well, wouldn't that be fun? Carla, can you tell us what you need an eraser for? You know, and then just go around the room. Patrick, how about you? You know, and, and just keep going around the room. And then we'd leave here with some really juicy stuff, wouldn't we? <laughs> you, know, you know, we confess first to Almighty God. And then if we're so lucky to be in a... a a group of confidants and friends that we can make those confessions, then, then uh, that too leads us to that erasing. I want to tell you in closing. I've had a hang-up with somebody for over a decade. And he was wrong. I was right. Absolutely. There's no question in my mind. And I really deserved an apology. I mean, this was something that really hurt. And, and, and this, truth be known, festered for a decade. And when I'd see this person, and I'd see this person from time to time, I'd want to just say, oh gosh. And we'd exchange our chili hellos. You know that? Chili hellos. And at General Conference of all places a few weeks ago, there I was in the middle of this worship service. The first day of conference, we just prayed. We had this prayer service, and it was wonderful music and a wonderful message. And, and, and it was like an altar call. The guy who was speaking said, you know, this is about forgiveness and reconciliation. And if there is somebody who you know right now who you need to ask forgiveness um, of this person, or, or you need to be reconciled to another person, then, then I want you to move right now to that person. I started to say, Does this guy, is this guy reading my mail? Because the guy up with was right over my shoulder I mean just a little ways up I mean I'd already exchanged a chilly hello and I went to my seat I wasn't about to sit by him and the music started playing and the Holy Spirit spoke and it was undeniable it's time to let go It's time to be free. It's time to move forward because you've worked on this for a decade and you can't fix it. And you can't make him say, I'm sorry. You can't make him ask for your forgiveness. It's all about you and what you're willing to do. You've heard that voice. Undeniable. 
and I turned and he was looking right at me big old tears in his eyes and I think we both took a step toward each other at the same time and then we embraced now I was kind of ready for one of those quick hugs and you're out this guy held on to me embracing me and he wouldn't let go so I embraced him back and it was just like the two of us were there it didn't matter anybody else and I just whispered in his ear I do love you He said, I love you too. And the holy eraser erased something from my life that has really kept me from real freedom for all those years. And another reminder that we can't fix ourselves. We can't fix other people. We have to see things as new creations in Christ. People of sacred worth no matter what. You know, we Methodists, we have a great theology. One of those great songs of the church, one of the hymns of the church is called Love Divine, All Love's Excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down, fix in us thy humble dwelling. All thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure, unbounded love, thou art. Visit us with thy salvation. Enter every trembling heart. Has your heart ever trembled? And you know you needed Jesus to make it right? Finish then thy new creation. Pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation changed from glory into glory. Till in heaven we take our place. Till we cast our crowns before thee. Lost in wonder, love and praise. Pray with me. Lord God, you know us. You you know that past that we need so much for you to erase because we can't erase it. You know those relationships that are spoiled. You know those actions that have us captive. You know the shame and the guilt from whatever. Whatever. 
Lord, just like you spoke to me a few weeks ago, I know you're speaking to people right now. You're naming it for them. Lord, move us in this hour. to accept your salvation in this regard. Be that holy eraser that we know we can't be for ourselves. And Lord, those who are here today who need prayer, we're here to pray. have to say this morning is thank God life does come with erasers and I hope that you know that holy eraser in Jesus Christ and the reconciliation and forgiveness he offers so freely amen